Welcome back to the OU Shnai Mikra project and our study of Parshat Vayakel. This is Menachem Liptag. In today's show, we study Chamishi, the fifth Aliyah. In today's Aliyah, we have four sections. Betzalel and his co-workers begin on the construction of the Krashim, the beams that will support the cover of the Mishkan. Then we find about the Prochet, the partition that divides between the Kodesh, where we have the Shulchan and the Menorah, and the Kodesh Kodeshim, where we have the Aron, the Ark of the Covenant. Then we have the construction of the Aron itself, the Ark of the Covenant, and the Kaporet that covered it. And finally, the Shulchan, the table that contained the showbread. Because all of these vessels were already described in the commandment to build them in our study of Parshat Trumah, we're not going to go into details of their description. To do that, refer back to those shiurim in Shnai Mikra by Wabar Ranrab that are available on the OU website. Instead, we're going to take this opportunity to discuss wider themes of how certain details of the vessels of the Mishkan are going to relate to mega-themes in the Bible, especially in how Sefer Shmot and the Mishkan relate back to Mamad Har Sinai and to Sefer Breshit and the story of creation. Because in today's Aliyah, we discuss the Parochet and the Aron, and between both of these items, we find a similarity that the Parochet has woven upon it the Kruvim, and on top of the Aron is a special cover called the Kaporet. And on top of the Kaporet, we find also two Kruvim. And recall also from yesterday's Aliyah, when the Mishkan, the covers, the riot of the Mishkan, were woven into that weaving was also Kruvim. Someone who enters the Mishkan is simply surrounded by Kruvim. And these Kruvim, as we get closer and closer to the Ark of the Covenant, we find more and more imagery of Kruvim. We don't know exactly what Kruvim look like, what they are. However, from a thematic point of view, most likely the Kruvim of the Mishkan relate to the Kruvim that are first mentioned in the story of creation, in the story of Gan Eden. Our assumption is, if Chumash bothers to tell us about Kruvim in its opening story about the creation of man and its relationship with God in Gan Eden, and the only time we find these Kruvim again in Chumash is in the description of the Mishkan, there must be a thematic connection between these two items. What would that connection be? We're going to take several minutes to try to suggest the meaning of this parallel between Kruvim in the story of creation and the Kruvim in the Mishkan to arrive at a deeper meaning of what this Mishkan is about and what it symbolizes. Recall from the story of Gan Eden that in chapter 2, God made man and put him into an idyllic environment with a special connection to God. His job was to lo'ovdalu shomra and to keep it and basically be God's employee. However, man was also given several commandments, especially not to eat from the Eitz Adat and Eitz Achaim, from the special two trees in the middle of the Gan, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Unfortunately, man did not listen to God's command. He ate from that tree, from the tree of knowledge. Therefore, he was punished and banished from the Garden of Eden. After man is thrown out of the Garden of Eden, a question arises, can man ever return to that idyllic environment with God? The impression we have is, that that return is impossible. Man is banished forever. But let's look carefully at the end of chapter 3 in Sefer Breshit, in Paragimel Pasach Chavdalet, verse 24, By Garesh et Adam, Adam was expelled from Gan Eden by God, and listen to what God does to protect Gan Eden so that man can't return. By Yashken, Mikedem the Gan Eden et Akruvim, notice the verb by Yashken, as a protector to Gan Eden, God sort of puts down, similar to the word dwelling, like the word Mishkan, to the entrance or to the east of Gan Eden, the Kruvim, 
and the lata cherva mitapechet, this very special double-edged sword, lishmor ederch etzachayim, to guard the path or the way to the tree of life. If man was never able to return, why should God put a guard? It would simply be better to put up a wall. If you go to a palace, like Buckingham Palace, you'll see guards, but the guard doesn't mean that no one can enter. It means that you can't enter. The average person can't come in. But if there's a guard, that means some people can enter and some people can't. Why would there be Kruvim guarding the way to Derech Eitzachayim? That doesn't mean that no one is allowed to return, but rather only someone worthy is allowed in and can follow that path. How do we find out later on in Chumash what is the way to get past those Kruvim? In other words, what is the way to return to the Derech Eitzachayim? As we quote from Sefer Mishlei, when we return the Torah, We'll quote from the Pasuk in Mishle very soon. But the parallel should be obvious. What is replacing the Eitz HaChayim is going to be the Torah. How do I know that the Torah replaces the Eitz HaChayim? On top of the Aron are Kruvim. And if Kruvim are on the Kapart, on top of the Aron, they're protecting what's inside. What's inside the Aron? First of all, Luchot Abrit, which symbolizes the covenant at Har Sinai and also a copy of the Torah, the laws that will be our guide to how we follow God. By putting Kruvim on top of the Aron, that guard the Luchot Abrit in the Torah, that imagery is telling us that if we want to return to Gan Eden, the way to achieve that special connection to God is through keeping the laws of the Torah. That would explain why not only we find Kruvim on top of the Aron, but also on the Parochet, which is the partition that protects the Aron from the outsider and divides between the Kodesh and Kodesh Kodeshim to tell us that what's behind this partition and this curtain is something similar to Gan Eden, again will be the woven image of Kruvim. And as a further reminder, above our heads as we enter the Mishkan, on the Uriot of the Mishkan, also are woven the images of Kruvim. If this interpretation is correct, then it could be that one of the primary reasons for the Torah telling us the story of Gan Eden in the manner that it does is an order that later on we're going to appreciate the meaning of the Mishkan and what it represents. And even without a Mishkan, all the imagery of the Mishkan, which we later find transferred to the Beit Knesset, to the Shul, in our day-to-day life of Judaism, the imagery by studying the laws of Mishkan can remind us of how keeping the Torah will be the proper manner through which we can return to this idyllic environment of having a closer relationship with God, and hence it becomes an Eitz Chaimhi the Torah becomes an Eitzchayim he for those who keep it. If you look at the beginning of chapter 3 in Mishle, where the Pasuk is coming from, it begins with, My son, don't forget my Torah and make sure to keep my laws, keep them on your heart. The Torah continues on and on. And finally, as it talks about the Torah and Chochmah, in Pasuk Tetzayin we find, Orach Yamim Bimina Bismola Osher Rechavod and finally, in Pasuk Yitchet, in Peregimu, I suggest highly that you study the third chapter of Mishle. Of course, you should study the entire book of Mishle, but especially chapter 3, it would be something good to remind yourself of every single day. And as we study these detailed laws of the Mishkan, behind all these minute details, may be hiding a very important theme, probably one of the most important themes, of Chumash in general. With that in mind, let's continue now with our detailed study of the Aliyah and return 
to the beginning of Chamishi in Perak Lamed Vav Pasachaf. Vayaset Krashim la Mishkan Betzalel and his co-workers began on the construction of the beams for the Mishkan Atzeshitim Omdim. These were made out of acacia wood, standing up upright. Now we'll quickly go through the dimensions. Each of these beams was exactly the same size, 10 amot high and one and a half amot wide. Each of these beams had two prongs sticking out from the bottom. These prongs will be necessary so they can stand upright and these prongs will be placed inside of sockets which will be called adanim, made out of silver. So each of these beams has two prongs on the bottom. Each one next to each other, two prongs coming from each beam. And this was done for each of the krashim of the mishkan. The southern side of the mishkan contained 20 beams, hence its length was 30 amot. Recall that the Mishkan has walls only on three sides. On the southern side, the northern side, and the western side, we find walls. And the front side, on the eastern side, and recall again, Mikedem Lagan Eden, the idea to the east of Gan Eden fits here beautifully. The eastern side is open. There we'll find later on the Masach, which will guard the opening. Because there are 20 Krashim, and because every Karash has two prongs, now we need 40 sockets to hold up that side. Varbaim Adne Chesef, there are 40 sockets made out of silver under these 20 beams. As we explained, two for each beam. Just like there's 20 beams to the southern side of the Mishkan, to the northern side of the Mishkan, again we find 20 Krashim. The reasons why we have these directions, north and south, is to again highlight that the eastern side will be the open side, and based on our introduction, we can understand why the idea of Mikedem, the Gan Eden, where God put the Kruvim to guard the entrance. Just like before, Pasach Havav, Vabrim Adonihem, Kasef, Shnei Adonim, Tachat HaKer HaShachad, Shnei Adonim, Tachat HaKer HaShachad, again, 40 sockets, two under each beam. And now we have to get the backside of the Mishkan, the western side, to figure out how wide the Mishkan will be. Uli Yarkatei HaMishkan Yama, Yama, in Chumash means the west, because to the west of the land of Israel is the Mediterranean Sea. Yama referring to the sea. So to the west, we're going to find six krashim, asashi shakrashim. Why six? We'll see in a minute there'll be two extra ones on the corners, so there'll be a total of eight krashim on the backside, but six regular ones and two special corner ones. Pasachavchet, ushnei krashim asa lim kutsaot hamishkan b'archatayim. What's special about these back two is they have to meet and form the junction between the northern and southern side and the back western side. To explain what's happening in this Pasuk, we have to remember that the Krashim, even though they have two prongs on the bottom and are held up by these sockets, the Adanim, they're also connected on top by tabaot, by rings, they connect each carriage together. These tabaot are equal for every single one, except when we get to the corner, because the corner on one side, the tabat, goes in one direction, and on the other corner, it will be a 90 degree difference. Therefore, the corner beams will be a little bit different in the way that they're shaped on top. Now that we have eight krashim in the back, that's going to be a total of 12 amot, but these 12 amot cover also the walls. 
the width of the Mishkan of each Keresh is one Amma. Therefore, the north and the southern walls take up one Amma each, which is a total of two Amot. The total length of the back wall is 12 Amot. The area left inside will be 10 Amot, and the 10 Amot is exactly the width of the Mishkan all the way through. The Kodesh, as you remember, will be 10 Amot by 20 Amot long. The Kodesh Kodeshim will be 10 Amot by 10 Amot. Let's continue now with Pasek Lamed that explains what we just said. These eight beams in the back wall and their sockets made out of silver. Sixteen sockets for the eight different beams. To give additional support to make sure that this Mishkan stands perfectly straight, we're going to have some crossbars that will give additional stability to the walls. These are called brichim. He made crossbars made again out of acacia wood. Each wall of the Mishkan needed five beams. These beams were connected on the outside and hence each of these beams needs a support on the Keresh itself. Each of the three sides of the Mishkan, each of these three walls need five crossbars each. In addition to these outer crossbars, there'll be an inner crossbar that's going to connect from the inside all of these krashim together, one for each side. Therefore, in Pasek Lamed Gimel, he also made the middle beam livroch betocha krashim to connect the krashim from the inside mina katze el from one end to the other end. Pasek Lamed Dalad krashim All these beams, even though they're made out of wood, for beauty, they were all coated with gold. Recall again the metal scheme of the Mishkan that the inside, everything is gold. On the outside, everything is copper. So now we're talking about the inside of the Mishkan. Therefore, all of these beams are going to be plated with gold. Also, the rings on top, they connect all the Krashim together on the top side, were also made out of gold. And also, the holders of the crossbars those were also coated with gold. Now that we've finished the description of the construction of the beams of the Mishkan and how they were set up, now we're going to talk about the partition or the curtain that's going to drape between the Kodesh and Kodesh Kodeshim, known as the Parochet. Notice an interesting play on letters or words. The letters of the word Parochet, when you switch them around, also spell Kaporet. Remember the Kaporet has the Kruvim that protect the Aron on top. The Parochet has woven upon it, as we'll see, also Kruvim, and Parochet and Kaporet obviously are connected between the same use of the letters switched around in a different way. Pasek Lamed, hey, Parochet, he made the Parochet, the curtain, Tchelet Vargaman Tolat Shani Veshesh Mazar, the same material that we found in the blanket cover over the Mishkan, which we've mentioned many times, Masei Choshev Asauta Kruvim, he made it woven into the fabric, the shapes of Kruvim. This we explained before was Malechet Machshevet. If you want to put a design on something that you're weaving, you have to plan out ahead of time. You have to use like a little notebook and make little X's, like anyone who makes a kipas does. And that's called Malechet Machshevet. These kruvim were woven already into the material. What is going to support this parochet? Pasek Lamedvav. Bayasla arba'a mudeshitim. We need to support this curtain now. It has to hang from something. So now we're going to have four beams that are going to hold up the parochet. But unlike the beams of the Mishkan itself, which had two prongs on the bottom, these require only one socket for each one. 
So there's four Amudim holding up the Prochet. Vaitzapem Zahav, Vavahem Zahav. Also, they're coded, they're coded with gold. And the little hooks that are going to connect between these beams, I guess in a rod that connected them. And the Prochet, those Vavim, which look like the Hebrew letter Vav, to be like a clip that hold up the curtain. Vaitzok Lehem Arbaa Adnei Kasef. Also, we cast it for them, sockets made out of silver. He also made a partition, a screen, to the eastern side, to the opening of this tent. And what was this masach made out of? Again, this is now embroidery, as opposed to masach hoshev. This masach, this partition, or screen, that guarded the entrance to the Mishkan, on the eastern side, also had to be supported. So here we have another five Amudim. Again, these are Amudim holding up only a curtain. Hence, they only need one socket. These also were coated with gold. However, the Adanim, the sockets that supported these poles, they were made out of Nechoshet and copper. That's because this partition could be viewed from the outside. If someone is standing in the courtyard of the Mishkan in the Chatzar, where the Mizbeach is Nechoshet and the Kior is Nechoshet, and all the metal in the outside courtyard is Nechoshet, in order to match the Nechoshet of the courtyard of the Mishkan, the Masach of the Mishkan, which is what everyone sees from the outside, the bottom level is made out of Nechoshet, out of copper. The beams that support the Masach are supporting it from the inside. Someone from the outside doesn't see those beams. Those beams are only seen from the inside of the Mishkan. Hence, the beams themselves that hold up the Masach, they're covered with gold to match the inside. So you have to think like an architect here to make sure you understand the design from the inside and outside why certain areas are coated with silver and certain with gold. We're now in Paraklamet Zion and we're up to the construction of the Aron. Pesach Aleph, verse 1 in chapter 37. B'Tzalel made the Aron again out of Atzei Shittim. Amatayim v'chetzi orkov, amavachetzi rochbov, amavachetzi komoto. Its dimensions were two and a half by one and a half by one and a half. V'atzapeu zahav tahor mibaitu michutz it too, like all the other vessels of the inside, are coated with pure gold from inside and outside, and it also had a little rim around it. The Aron also, in order to carry it, had four tabaot, four rings, on its four corners. Two rings on either side. Now we need poles to go in those rings. These rods, also made out of wood, were also coated with gold. He now takes the rods and puts them into the rings, on the sides of the Aron, the set at Aron, in order to carry the Aron, and there'll be a special law that these rods with which we carry the Aron remain in there all the time, we never take them out. Now that we finished the Aron, now we need the cover, called the Kaporet, verse 6, Betzalo and his men also made the kaporet of pure gold. This was not made out of wood and covered with gold. Rather, the entire cover was made out of gold. Its width and length matched the width and the length of the aron. Its thickness, that we don't know, but if it was made out of gold, it couldn't be very thick. Otherwise, it would be very, very heavy. The design of this cover was special. Two kruvim of gold, this was made out of this one piece of gold, it was molded in a way that the cover, this kaporet, had two kruvim on top. 
uchruv echad mikatzam mizeh, one kruv on each side of this cover of the kaporet. Mina kaporet asat kruvim mishnek sotav. These kruvim are coming and extending from each end of the kaporet. Vayuah kruvim porsech nafaim lamala. These kruvim will be spreading the wings from above. So chachim bechanfehem al kaporet, hovering over the kaporet with their wings. Ufnem ishalachiv. These kruvim are facing one another. Ela kaporet hayupnei kruvim facing one another on top of the kaporet were the faces of the kruvim. In other words, facing one another. This is in contrast to what we'll find later when Shlomo Melech builds the Mishkan and adds two kruvim that stand alone with their feet on the floor. Those kruvim are going to be facing forward, figuratively speaking, facing the people. The meaning of these kruvim we already discussed in our introduction to today's share. Finally, we conclude today's aliyah with the construction of the shulchan. Pasuk Yud, Vayasat shulchan atzeishitim, Amatayim be'orko, Va'amarachbo, Va'amavachetzi kamato, the table that was going to contain the showbread that would be switched every week with the lechem apanim, every Shabbat they would switch the 12 loaves of bread. That was two amot wide, one amot wide, and one and a half amot high. Pasuk Yud Aleph, Vayitzaf oto zahav tahor, even though the shulchan was made out of wood, as before, we're going to plate it with gold. It too has a special rim around it. He also made a frame for the table. One tefach, that's one hand breadth wide, around the table. He also made a special rim around that frame. Now to carry it, like all the other vessels, we put four rings. Each of these rings on two on each side of the table. The rings now were adjacent to the frame and they were going to hold the poles which will be used to carry the shulchan. As before, he makes the poles out of Shitimud, and plates them also with gold in order to carry the shulchan. Pasuk Tetzayin, Aliyah concludes with the description of the additional utensils needed in order to hold the showbread properly on the shulchan. All these items, again, all these utensils were made out of pure gold. As we mentioned before, the detail of what all these different utensils are and what they did were explained in the Shir and Parshat Truma. In tomorrow's Aliyah, we continue with the construction of the different vessels of the Mishkan. There we'll focus on the Menorah and the Mizbachat Torah.